Well, thanks, Ben, and uh, good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to have you with us today. Uh, my name is Paul Mumaw, and I'm the lead pastor here. And, uh, you know, I was thinking this past week, uh, we uh, did a series back in the spring called Love Where You Are. And uh, for us, that series was all about emphasizing the opportunity that we have each day uh, to really show the love of Christ to the people uh, around us, the people that God has put into our lives. And so uh, as we emphasize specifically in that series, that has a lot to do with your neighbors. And I hope that you're doing some of that. I hope you're intentionally building relationships with the people around you, again, looking for opportunities uh, to share, uh, to display the gospel uh, for the people that God has put in your life. But uh, that series uh, as well is just a great reminder you know, not only for our neighbors that live in proximity to us, uh, but also just as we go about our lives each and every day, the people we come in contact with, uh, the people that we interact with, and uh, the chance that we have, again, to encourage them and uh, to show Christ's love to them. Uh, this Wednesday is Veterans Day, and I was thinking this past week that uh, here is just one more example uh, that we have, that you have, that we have as a church to say thank you uh, to the men and women that have served our country uh, in many different capacities. And we know that the Scriptures say it talks about a love that uh, someone is willing to lay down their life uh, for someone else. And uh, if you served, uh, if you're currently serving, well, you know that's a big part of why you made that commitment to serve. If you've got people in your life that served, uh, whether, you know, maybe they've passed or, you know, still with you today, again, you, you know the toll uh, that can serving in, in such a way uh, can have on a person's life. And I don't know if you've seen some of the news, again, just some of the stress uh, that's just becoming more and more uh, evident, you know, for those that have served and the suicide rate. Uh, is very concerning, but uh, I, I want to just stop and take a moment, you know, again, not only to encourage you this week, you know, is there somebody in your life that you can say thank you to, that you can be praying for, that you can encourage, uh, but also, you know, we to just take a moment right now in our service to pray, uh, to pray for those men and women that are currently serving, those that have served, and uh, to say thank you, uh, to say thanks for what they've done. So let's do that together. Father in heaven, uh, we do thank you uh, for the freedom that we enjoy uh, in this country, the freedom to come into a place like this this morning and to worship, uh, to learn more about you, Lord. And uh, we know that ultimately that freedom is from you, God, uh, but we also know and believe and are thankful uh, for the many men and women, uh, some of those here today uh, that have served. We're thankful for the men and women who have given their lives. We thank you for the men and women that are currently serving uh, right now. And we just, we want to be reminded of that. We don't ever want to lose sight of the freedom that we enjoy, God. God. And uh, so we, uh, we say thank you today. We say thank you uh, to those men and women uh, who have served and who have served uh, so faithfully. God, we pray for those that may be struggling today. Uh, again, we, we are learning about, we hear about the toll that uh, something like serving can take on a person's life, Lord. And I, and I pray that for each of us, maybe, maybe there's an opportunity coming up this week that we can say thank you to someone else, that we can remind someone uh, that they are loved, that we appreciate all uh, that they have done. And not only for those that have served, uh, but just each and every day as we live our lives, God. Uh, just help us to keep showing the love of Christ uh, to the people around us, the people that you've put uh, in our lives, God. And uh, Father, we thank you. We thank you most importantly for Jesus, uh, who laid down his life for us. And uh, even as we start in this new series today, God, I, I pray that we would fix our eyes on Jesus and that we would learn from him and look to him for everything that we need, that he would be not only our, our Savior, but also a great example for how we can live our lives. And uh, we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, hey, how many of you uh, would say uh, that you, uh, every once in a while, um, get a little burnout on the pace of life? 
Uh, anybody in that category and anybody in that ballpark with me that, you know, sometimes things just get moving so quickly, one event after another, all these different things uh, going on, I think especially in a place like Hamilton County or central Indiana, we all, we all get a little exhausted uh, by the pace of life. And we're busy people, aren't we? I mean, if you're honest with yourself, I mean, as you look around, as you think about your own life, the people around you, we're always going and uh, with work and school and church and sports and dance and band and family and friends. I mean, you know, it's go, go, go all the time. It never seems to end. And, and we're always on the go. Uh, and as a result, um, I think we, we've got little to no uh, extra time. Uh, there was an article in the Boston Globe recently uh, looking at speaking on uh, kind of the fast-paced culture that we live in today and how it's affecting um, our need for results, uh, our, our need for instant results. Our expectation uh, for, uh, for instant ha- has become greater according to this article. Here's how this pl- is playing out. They, uh, just a couple of bits from the article. They say, notice how retailers are jop- jumping into same-day delivery services. Uh, new smartphone apps all the time eliminate the wait for a cab, a date, or a table at a hot restaurant. Uh, movies and TV shows begin streaming in seconds. But experts caution that the need for speed comes at a price, that it's making us less patient. Like they go on to say, we've come to expect things so quickly that researchers have found that people can't wait more than a few seconds for a video to load. Uh, One researcher examined the viewing habits of 6.7 million internet users, asking the question, how long were subjects willing to be patient? It's about two seconds. After that, they start abandoning the site. After five seconds, the abandonment rate is 25%. If you get to 10 seconds waiting for something to download, half of the people are gone. Uh, This this researcher goes on to say, the results offer a glimpse into the future, that as internet speeds increase, people will be even less willing to wait for that cute puppy video. Uh, The researcher who spent years developing this study worries that someday people won't be patient enough uh, to conduct a study on patience uh, either. So, uh, but, but think about it. I mean, why, why do we move so quickly? I mean, why, why are we people that demand instant results? Well, we're always in a hurry. And because we're always in a hurry, because we've got so much going on in our lives and we're running this way and uh, we're distracted by this over here, uh, there's one more event, there's one more invitation all the time, there's one more opportunity, there's one more project, there's one more website. I mean, so often what happens is before you realize it, you've got no extra time. There's no extra space in your life. I think probably for many of you here today, you would say, you know what, I've got no margin uh, for anything else right now. I mean, anybody's life ever feel like that? You know, no extra space, no extra margin, you know, or, or like you're trying to do too much uh, all at once. And, and I think we'd all agree uh, that we'd love to slow down, but rather than dropping anything, what we find ourselves doing, maybe even more than we realize, is we just take on more and more and more. And what happens is, is that we end up trading what matters uh, the most for what's going on uh, in our lives right now. And because we have so much going on, uh, some of the most important things in life so often get squeezed out uh, by the things that, if you're honest with yourself, don't really matter. They don't matter nearly as much or maybe even matter at all. Here's what I want to do, and uh, you'll see how this applies in just a few minutes. Uh, You should have received a message notes copy when you came in today. If you've got that, take that out. Uh, At the very top of it, you'll find that there are four blanks. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds. I want you to write down the four things that matter the most to you. 
Like, like when it boils down to it, I mean, if you had to say, hey, here are the four things, the, the four people, the four relationships in my life that matter the most, what are those most important things? At the very center of your life, you would say, you know what, these are my priorities. These are what matter most. Take, take, take 30 seconds, write those down. Uh, write those things down, write, write those names down if you would, and then just kind of hold on to it uh, for just a second. You know, I hope that uh, came easy for you, and if you're still working, you know, you can keep going. Maybe, maybe you had to think through that fourth one or, or, or that third one or whatever, but uh, again, what are those three or four most important things in your life? How, how many of you put uh, social media on your list? Anybody like Twitter or Facebook or Snapchat? Okay, nobody, nobody got that one. Or how, how many of you put Netflix uh, or Hulu uh, on, on your list? Probably, probably no one, or at least you're not willing to raise your hand. Uh, if you did, I, I, I'm guessing the less important things didn't make your list. Like if you had to boil it down to four, those less important things didn't make it there. But isn't it interesting how even when we take a few moments and really think about those things that matter the most, it always boils down to relationships, right? Like, I, I just got a hunch. Uh, I, I hope for you that, you know, there were, there were four names or uh, four relationships or at least a, a couple of relationships or, or a few relationships, things like your family. Uh, maybe you named off your kids. Uh, uh, maybe it's your marriage right now. Maybe, maybe it's a person that you're dating and you just really believe, you know what, this is the right person, you know, this, that this is really going somewhere. Uh, and if you're a Christian, you know, I hope your relationship with God, uh, your relationship with the Lord that is on that list. I, I think it's safe to say uh, that our relationships are what matter the most, but uh, we don't always live like that, do we? You know, when, when our days get going, I mean, when things really start moving, we don't always live like that. I mean, the way that we live doesn't always line up with what we say are our priorities. Now, why is that? Like, why, why is that for us? Why, why do we fall into that sort of a trap? Well, I think of a lot of it is rooted in the fact that we don't want to let people down. Uh, and so we like be, uh, feeling busy. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think that's true of me at times. I, I like feeling busy. We like, we like feeling needed or, or we overestimate our abilities. You know, we, we think we can handle, you know, just one more thing or we, we, we feel like we're responsible. You ever feel like this? We feel like we're responsible for people's happiness or for our children's happiness or for their well-being. And so before we know it, we're just kind of living these out of control lives. Again, we're always on the go. And, and if you think about it, if you're honest with yourself, I mean, how many times is no one really happy? Like even on the go, I mean, like you're not happy or, or the person that you love isn't happy, the kids that you have in your life or, or your close friends, they aren't happy either. And so again, we just kind of find ourselves in this mess. But here's what I want to do. What if I told you there was a, a phrase or, or maybe just really one word that I think could help you put the most important things in your life first. And it's a new word, and it's not a new word. In fact, it's a pretty common word. It's a word you've heard before. Uh, I know it's a word that you use every single day, but, but again, if you're busy, if you're overscheduled in relationships you find are really taking a back seat in your life, if you're honest with yourself, it may be a symptom that you're not using this word enough. What is it? Now that I have you in suspense, okay, hang with me, all right? It's, it's the word no, all right? All right, say it with me all time, once together. 
No, all right? One more time for effect. No, all right? No is our magical, special word today. We all know it's a simple word. I mean, it's one syllable. It's two letters. Uh, chances are no one had to teach you this word, all right? I mean, you know, if, you, if you've got children, you know this to be true. It's probably one of the first few words that they ever learned to say, and then we spend the rest of our, our, our lives trying to keep them from saying that word to us. But the, but the fact is that, you know, especially as we grow older, you know, that no can be a difficult thing to say. I mean, the word no can be a difficult thing to say, but, but if we fail to make the word no a part of our regular vocabulary, it's not going to take long before we'll always find ourselves trying to carry too much, overwhelmed, and in our attempt to please everyone, we'll please no one, including the people that we love. You know, the word no may not seem like a positive, transformative kind of a word for relationships, but what I hope that you'll find today, what I hope that we're going to see together today is that it's one word that could be one of the most important words that we learn to say, maybe a word that you need to be using in your life uh, with the people that you love or with your family uh, right now. Uh, this new series that we're starting today is a four-week series called Relatively Speaking, and uh, it, it's a, wor- a series about words and phrases that I really think have the potential to bring new life to your relationships. Uh, they have the opportunity to kind of help us keep our actions in check with what we say uh, our priorities are. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to look to uh, the book of Proverbs uh, to discover these words that can help us uh, bring life to our relationships. And so if you've got a Bible today, I want to invite you to take it and uh, turn to Proverbs 25, 28. Now, you'll notice in the message notes that it says Proverbs 25, 8, and I'm sure that's a spectacular verse, but it's not the right verse for us, and I don't even know what it says. And so go to Proverbs 25, 28 if you use something like the Version app on your phone, or if you want to grab one of the Bibles around the room, or if you've brought your Bible with you. Again, Proverbs 25, 28. And if you're not familiar with the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs is an Old Testament book of the Bible that's uh, full of practical insight and daily wisdom. And one of the things that makes Proverbs unique, uh, Proverbs unique is it's one of those books that if you're new to church, uh, if you're new to Christianity, uh, you can't help but read something like Proverbs and think to yourself, you know what, that makes sense. All right, you're, you're going to read some of this book and just look at it and think, you know what, that's wise. And, and maybe you'd read some of it, maybe even what we're going to talk about today, and you'll find yourself agreeing, oh, uh, yeah, I, I see that. You know, I've, I've experienced something like that. I, I could speak from experience and say, you know what, what's being said here uh, is true. And some of that has to do with the writer of Proverbs. Uh, most people believe that King Solomon wrote these words, at least most of these words, and uh, he was known for his wisdom. Uh, and as Christians, we believe the Holy Spirit had something to do with this writing too. But anyway, Solomon was writing from his experience. And because he was older and because he had much life experience, he he was borrowing from his life experience as a way of encouraging people like you and me in our everyday living. And, uh, And so with those words in Proverbs 25, 28, this is our text for today. Here's what we read. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Let's say it all together if you'd say it with me. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Now, the first word that I want you to notice there is the word walls, all right? The word walls. Now, this verse compares a person with no self-control to a city whose walls have been destroyed and is therefore susceptible to future attacks. Now, in biblical times, the key to a city's security was its fortified walls. 
And so a city with walls was safe, or at least safer. But a city with broken down walls had clearly already been defeated and was vulnerable to even future attacks. Now, Nehemiah knew the importance of this. All right, he had a real passion. All right, his home was Jerusalem, and it had been destroyed, you know, along with most of the country. And so Nehemiah's hope was to see Jerusalem flourish once again. And he realized that any effort at restoration or renewal or reconstruction meant rebuilding the wall to the city first. I mean, Nehemiah knew that a wall provides protection, that a wall controls what goes in and goes out. And so Solomon realized that too. And so what he's getting at is this. He's basically saying that a person with no self-control is like a city with no walls. Or for the sake of what we're talking about today, a person who doesn't learn to say no to the lesser important things in life is like a person with little to no self-control. He or she is like a city without walls. Now stop there for a second, and if that stings a bit, keep in mind that Solomon is just revealing a truth for how life works. I mean, he's just reminding us. He's speaking from experience and saying, you know what, if you don't have self-control in your life, you're vulnerable. Uh, If you don't learn to say no, you've got no boundary for what goes in or goes out. If you've got no walls, you are vulnerable to future attack and destruction. Again, our text, like a city whose walls are broken through, it's a person who is a person who lacks self-control. Now, the word self-control here really carries a double meaning uh, of both instruction and correction at the very same time. And that just means that this proverb is suggesting that on the one hand, self-control provides an opportunity for you to protect yourself. Self-control provides an opportunity for you to say, these are my, my priorities. These are the things that I'm protecting in my life. The, these are the people that I'm protecting, the ones that I love. But on the other hand, a lack of self-control. Well, we know this from experience. I'm sure we've all got a story or two about this, a lack of self-control can lead to breakdown. It can lead to personal ruin. I mean, think about it. I mean, take your life or my life with no self-control. What do we do? I mean, we go looking to anything and everything to, to find pleasure. We, we go looking to many things, anything other than God. Uh, to meet our needs in life. We, we've got no filter. You have no self-control. You have no filter for what's right or wrong. I mean, with no self-control, we find ourselves on the go all the time with little hope of ever slowing down. You see, self-control and discipline can make all of the difference. I mean, ask any successful athlete or any successful mathlete or a musician or a carpenter or an artist or a mom or a dad, a successful teacher or mentor or director or farmer. I mean, ask them about the importance of self-control. Ask them how they got where they got. I bet you'll discover that they had to learn to say no to the lesser important things so that they could say yes to what they believe matters the most. And just think about how that applies in your life too. I mean, think about how you demonstrate self-control all the time. I mean, if you, if you don't learn to say no to things like junk food, well, we know the results of that. If we don't learn to say no to unnecessary distractions, think about how quickly your time evaporates away. If we don't say no to bad relationships, you know, it, we, we see the potential outcomes. If we don't say no to impulse purchases, but by learning to say no, there's the magic word for us again today. Here's what we can do. And as our text for today explains, what you're doing in incorporating this word no in the appropriate places in your life is you're actually building up protection around your life like a city that is well protected. Again, if you've got no defense or no walls or self-control, you've got nothing to protect what is most important to you. If you don't learn to say no to the harmful things or the less important things, 
You're not going to leave room to be able to say yes to what's most important. And my guess is that for every one of us here, that most important has a name. And they've got a special place in your life or in your home. I mean, it's the people that matter most to us. It, you know, maybe for you right now, it's your parents. Uh, or maybe it's a sibling. Uh, or a spouse. Or a child. Or a lifelong friend. And what's at stake here? Well, again, refusing to say no to the lesser important things means missing opportunities. Missing opportunities to be fully engaged into their lives. Missing opportunities to be fully present with the people that you know are the most important to you. You know, I, I got a hunch. I, I was thinking this past week, I think one of the reasons why so many people around us today, even myself at times, are frustrated and frazzled or in such a hurry is, is it's because of our inability to say no. We, we just don't know when to say no. And if we haven't developed the habit of saying no, I mean, de- by default, what we're doing is we're probably saying yes. We've got a bad habit of saying yes to everything. And if we're saying yes all the time, we're probably disappointing the people that we love more than we realize. And, and these aren't just bad opportunities that come up. I mean, sometimes those opportunities that we're confronted with that we've got to say no to are great opportunities. But sometimes we have to learn to say no even what appears to be a great opportunity, otherwise like a city whose walls are broken down, before we know it, our lives can crumble out of control too. You know, I, th- I think about how I've been learning this. You've learned it, how I've been learning this. I-, I was thinking about just what it meant to go off to college and to be away from my parents and, you know, learning self-control, learning the importance of saying no uh, to the less important things so that, in fact, I could say yes uh, to the more important things and how I failed in that and maybe some other opportunities where I succeeded in that. I, I think about how you learn this when you get married, all right, and just choosing one another, you know, and choosing time with each other over, over time away. I mean, my, our first year of marriage, my wife worked the third shift, you know, and so we had to be very intentional at this. And sometimes we got it right, and there were a lot of times where, where we got it wrong. I think about how this applies when we had our first child. And when we had our first child, I was playing in a couple of softball leagues a week and playing volleyball and playing basketball, and then there were all these things going on at the church where I was serving, and my wife kind of had to look me in the eye one day and say, hey, you know what, we're only going to get, you know, uh, this son of ours one time around, you know, and so do you want to be a part of his life, or do you want to be on the run all the time? I had to learn to say no, even in coming to Genesis, even in these last few years, you know, and my love uh, for this church and serving uh, at this church and being involved uh, with the community, trying to love my neighbors around me and be fully present for my wife and for my children. You know, you have to learn to say no. I'm still learning to say no. If I'm honest with you, I felt very convicted this week as I was working on this message and thinking about my schedule and busyness. I mean, I realized how quickly, you know, saying no or refusing to say no can lead to a packed schedule with little margin and just how quickly the most important things in life can get brushed to the side. I've got to do a better job at saying no. Uh, No, saying no is essential to maintaining priorities. Best-selling uh, author Seth Godin uh, talks about the critical importance of saying no. He says this. He says, no is essential. Uh, he says, if you believe that you must keep your promises, over-deliver, and treat every commitment as though it's an opportunity for a transformation, the only way you can do this is to turn down most opportunities. No, I can't meet with you. No, I can't sell it to you at this price. No, I can't do this job justice. No, I can't come to your party. No, I can't help you. I'm sorry, but no, I can't. Not if I want to do the things that people 
uh, value my work for. And then he says this, this is so good, no is the foundation that we can build our yes on. Isn't that good? No is the foundation that we can build our yes on. Now, let me show you how this works. I want to demonstrate this for you. And I learned this illustration from a friend, uh, and I've adapted it just a little bit to, to meet our needs. But uh, you've got these on your message notes. But I want to, I want to introduce to you three circles that I think uh, you might be able to take with you today. And uh, if you're wanting to do some work with this and think about what's truly most uh, important, and maybe if you need to get back on the right track, maybe uh, this will help you. But uh, three circles that I want to look at with you uh, today. The first circle uh, at the bottom of your page, uh, I just want you to label uh, as the word priorities, all right? And uh, priorities are what we talked about just a moment ago. It's the list that you made. Uh, your priorities, you would say, are the things that matter the most to you. Most likely, there are names attached uh, to these priorities. And, and so, our priorities, if we're honest with ourselves, we would say, you know what, this is what I want my life to look like on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, the second circle, I want you to label as the word story. All right, and this is the story that we tell. You know, this is the life that we would say we would want to live. We'll, we'll talk about our story so that it reflects our priorities. And so, again, if relationships are important to you, you would say something like, you know what, people before profit if you're in business. Or you would say, you know what, uh, my relationships before my responsibilities. Or you might say, you know what, my kids will always come before my career, right? Does that make sense? The, the story is a reflection of what we say our priorities are. These are the, this is the language uh, that we create to support uh, what we say our priorities are. Now, this third circle, I want you to label as behaviors or behavior. And this is where it gets good, and I think this is where it gets uh, really helpful. Th this is what we actually do, all right? This is the life that we live day in and day out. This circle represents how well we're doing at living our priorities. And so if story is the talk that we talk, our behavior is the walk that we walk, all right? And I think the question that we have to ask is, does my behavior reflect what I would say are my priorities. And if that's not the case, you know, maybe the message becomes then, well, profit before people, or career before my kids, or relationships, or responsibilities before relationships. I mean, I think what often happens is that our behavior, I know that for me there are times where my behavior doesn't reflect what I would say are my priorities. And so if those don't line up, you know, we might say that marriage is a priority, but then we don't, we don't say no to busyness, uh, the, the busyness that prevents us from really experiencing intimacy and fun with our spouse. Or we say, you know, family is a priority, all right? That's the story uh, that we talk. We'll say family is a priority, but then we don't know, say no to the things that prevent us from being together and from being a family or from sharing meals or just being at home at night together. We might say that friendship is a priority, but because we never say no to the less important things, we've got nothing left over uh, to offer our friends but leftovers. Or, or maybe we'll say, you know, we'll speak, you know, my relationship with God is a priority, but then we don't say no to the things that distract us from prayer or from going to church or coming to church or uh, the study of His Word. I mean, based on what we talked about last week, some will say, you know what, I want to make disciple-making a priority in my life, but if we don't say no to anyone and we're trying to please and invest in everyone, well, we're missing an opportunity 
uh, when we're trying to invest in, in everyone uh, instead of investing in a few, if we're not willing to say no to the lesser important things, before you know it, we're dropping the ball and, and losing ground in the priorities that we say are the most important. And if you're like me, then what happens is the panic sets in. And then you find yourself running frantically, and you're running around, and all of a sudden you're trying to please everyone. And uh, it feels like everything's crumbling around you. Do you ever feel that? Can you see that? Is that making sense? Do you ever feel this about your life? I mean, you know, maybe that's where you'd say some of, some of where you are today. But here, here's where we get this wrong. Instead of living from our priorities outward, We've got our behavior, and we just kind of sort of hope that this will just find its way or find its place in our behavior along the way. And again, I think a big part of the reason why we're so stressed out today is that we're, it's a big part of the reason why we're unfulfilled. You know, this is why we're losing ground with our, with our friends. This is why we're losing time with our kids or losing our marriages. This is why we don't have the relationship with God that we really I think so many of us would like to say that we want to have, I mean, like a city whose walls are broken down, um, our life is out of control. And if that's where you are today, then why not stop and call time out? You know, maybe use this morning to say, you know what, I, I want to wake up to what's really going on in my life or in my family right now. Maybe ask yourself, you know, what can I do to better match my behavior with my priorities? What can I do to make sure that I am living out of what I would say are the most important things to me? And how can I change this? I mean, how, how can I let my priorities really influence my behaviors? Well, in a word, we need to learn to say no. We've got to do a much better job at saying no. And in order to do that, we've got to be much more intentional about the way that we live our days. Now, just as a little side note, but probably the most important here, do you know who lived a priority-driven life? Jesus did. I hope we all know that answer, right? We're all, we're all good with that one because we're, we're missing it if we don't know that, but Jesus did. And as we just finished studying for the past eight weeks, Jesus lived an intentional priority-driven life. I mean, for Jesus, I mean, his priority was his relationship with his Father. And we talked about the priority of the Holy Spirit, and we, we saw the priority of, of reading the Word of God and, and of prayer and of obedience in the life of Jesus. I mean, these priorities were all about emphasizing his relationship, building up his relationship with God. And not only was his relationship with the Father important, but other relationships were important to Jesus too. I mean, you know, as Ben said, he, he loved everyone, he served many, but because Jesus knew what his priorities were, he knew that, that he knew when it was right to say yes, he knew when it was right to say no. I mean, Jesus was intentional about everything in his life, especially when it came to investing in a few. I think Jesus had to learn the art of saying no. I mean, think about it, he had to say no to the temptation of wealth and power. Very early on in his ministry, he had to say no to judging and condemning sinners. He said no to busyness. He said no to fame. He said no to countless things that could have distracted him so that he could say yes to his father and to things like disciple making and helping people find their way back to God. Rather than try and invest in everyone, Jesus invested in a few. I mean, you could say that Jesus even said no to probably a lot of really good things so that he could say yes to the most important things in his life. He refused to be like a city whose walls are broken down. But think about this. What if it were the other way around? What if Jesus would have really messed all of this up, these priorities and his behavior? I mean, imagine if Jesus, like many of us, get distracted 
from what was most important. I mean, imagine him running himself around frantically all the time, trying to be all things to all people. Imagine Jesus doing that. Imagine Jesus spending countless hours playing fantasy football or uh, racing around on the weekend to watch his nephew Stevie. I don't think he had a nephew Stevie, but if he did, uh, racing around to watch Stevie, who just happens to play three sports uh, every weekend, trying to get to all of this, or Jesus mindlessly losing himself on Facebook for hours. Imagine him doing that rather than loving his enemies. I mean, imagine Jesus choosing his carpentry shop, all right, with hopes of building it into a multi-billion dollar business uh, around the world and not being there for the 5,000 or the woman at the well or the wee little man uh, in the sycamore tree. I mean, imagine Jesus uh, choosing to rewatch episodes of The Office over and over again on Netflix, you know, rather than spending time with his disciples. I know these are ridiculous examples. I just try to get a little chuckle out of you, but, but, but think about this. Think about how often we fail to live out our priorities and miss out on number days with the people that we love, all because of things like one more sports league or one more activity or countless hours on things like Facebook or Twitter or just simply chasing after the American dream all the time. See, Jesus was laser-focused about his priorities. He knew what was most important, and he was a man of discipline and self-control and priorities. If he was a man with a mission and one whose behaviors aligned with his priorities. And think of the difference he made. Consider the impact he had with his life. And think for a minute, what could saying no to even one thing in your life right now, what could it do for your life? What could saying no to the less important things mean for the relationships or for the relationship with the most important people around you? Again, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. There's a um, national park about 70 miles off of the coast of Key West, Florida, uh, a fort called the Dry Tortugas. And uh, some uh, refer to it as the most challenging, most difficult national park to get to uh, in the United States, again, 70 miles off the coast of Florida. And as you can see from, from even this picture, it's a very unique place, uh, miles from life and civilization. Uh, it was constructed back in the early 1800s. The, uh, the U.S. government built this fort here as it's located on a major strategic shipping current. Uh, that runs in between the Gulf of Mexico and uh, the Caribbean. And uh, just from this uh, picture, and if you can really kind of zoom in on it here, I want you to notice how well it's fortified. Uh, There's not much land surrounding it, as you can see. And uh, if you were attempting to attack this fort, you would first encounter a wall uh, just outside of the the major wall, the taller wall. And so uh, if you were able to get over that wall, then there was a moat uh, in between that wall and the actual fort. And then if you were finally able to get through that moat without being shot, uh, then there was this massive wall uh, that you would have to climb over in order to, to penetrate the fort. These walls were designed and constructed to protect the community from invasion and from destruction. And in his book, Boundaries, a fantastic book, Henry Cloud points out how saying no is like a well-fortified wall. And learning to say no to less important things creates boundaries for us that we can put up around our life. Learning to say no helps you maintain control in your life. Learning to say no properly aligns our values and our priorities. Saying no protects us. And learning to say no allows room for change and can create steadiness 
And saying no can also create something that may look foreign to all of us. It's this. Space. Time. And margin. And for you, I mean, for saying no for us, I mean, maybe it's an opportunity today to say, you know what, I'm going to start reordering my day. I need to take a look at the next few weeks, and there's some adjustments that need to be made in order for me to better live out what I say are these, are my priorities, so that my priorities are reflected in my behavior and the life that I'm living. Again, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. You know, for Jesus, again, his relationship with God was priority number one. That was the story that he told, and it was certainly reflected in his actions. You know, for me, I need to ask myself, I mean, what, what are the priorities in my life? Does that line up with the story that I'm telling? Would others be able to say, you know what, I see that in your behavior too? The assignment for you and me today is to ask again, what are the priorities and are these reflected in my behavior? I'd like to challenge you with this. Is there one thing that you need to say no to right now so that you can better live from here? One thing that maybe you need to say no to. And maybe, and more importantly, um, where does Jesus fit into all of that for you? Because if we don't get that marker right, <laughs> if we don't get the cross right, if we, if we don't get our relationship with God at the very center and be able to say, this is what's most important and reflect that in the life that we're living, we've got no chance. You've got no chance if Christ is not at the center. We just bow your heads with me uh, this morning and you know, maybe there's something that the Lord has in mind for you today. Uh, maybe there's a takeaway for you. I, I pray that there's a takeaway for you today, something specific uh, that God has in mind for you uh, this morning, maybe something that you need to say no to. And maybe for you it's a moment of confession. As you realize, you know what, I've been running too frantically. I, if you're honest with yourself, you know what, you'd say, I, I'm, not, I'm not paying attention. I have disregarded, I have overlooked the priorities, the people, the relationships in my life. There's something you need to say no to today. And most importantly, where does Christ fit into all of it for you? I mean, is He that one thing for you? Is He, is he at the center of it all for you? I, I pray that He'd be at the center of your life. I, I pray that if He isn't today, that you'd ask Him today to be at the very center of your life. And then just ask the Lord to lead you and guide you so that your behavior, uh, your discipline, the things that you do, um, your habits, your love for others are just a, a living example of Christ at the center of all things, the center of your life, 
and the center of your relationships too. Father in heaven, we thank you for your wisdom. Uh, we thank you for how you might want to use a, a morning like this morning, Lord. Um, we pray that you would continue doing your work in each of us. Uh, Father, that you would give us wisdom, uh, that you would give us a, the ability to say no to those less important things so that we can say yes uh, to what matters the most. And uh, most importantly in all of that, Father, I pray that we keep saying yes to you. Uh, just yes to you, Father. We want more of you. We want more of your work in us. We want more of Jesus reflected in us throughout our week uh, in everything that we do. And uh, we need his strength. We need his strength in our relationships. We need his guidance in our relationships, Lord. And so we offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.